Welcome to the Victorious Souls Podcast with self-love coach, Danielle Burnock. Things happen in our lives that make us feel powerless. But Danielle believes that anyone can become a victorious soul by reclaiming what belongs to them, their value, their belovedness, and their God-given superpower. The Victorious Souls Podcast is dedicated to empowering you to rise up, reclaim, and embrace the change from survive to thrive as a victorious soul through the power of love. And now, here's that lady on the internet who loves you, Danielle. Welcome to the Victorious Souls podcast with me, your host, Danielle Burnock, that lady on the internet who loves you, connecting you to the love that heals so you can love yourself from survive to thrive. Today, my guest is Melanie Goodwin. And I was just telling her before we started that she's got quite a pedigree and she chuckled. She's an author, a singer, songwriter, musician, composer, and creator. She has coaching certificates with Tony Robbins, and John Maxwell, and she has a new book, Resurrected Roadkill, which we get to talk about today, among a lot of other things, and it's about her story of overcoming childhood trauma and thriving in life, so I just am so excited to have you with me today, Melanie. Thank you for being with me today. Thank you so much. It's great to be with you, and uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited about this for listeners. I discovered after I discovered Melanie that we have history together. Isn't that fun when you're like, oh, wow, you like went to the same school I did, or you grew up in the same city that I did or something like that. But we are both a part of Tribe Writers with Jeff Goins and Igniting Souls with Carrie Overbrunner. So how did you get involved with those? Tell us a little bit about your background there. Okay. All right. Um, I heard Jeff Goins speak. I think it might have been his very first uh, speaking engagement because uh, I was in a conference uh, that Michael Hyatt was putting on in wow. Franklin, Tennessee. And um, he he was just great. And um, so I kind of started following him. I didn't know yet that I that I was really wanting to write more books. I had one out, but it was a farewell to an industry. And we can talk about that later, but I didn't know yet that I was going to be writing more books. And so I just started following him because, um, because he seemed interesting and I wanted to. And then with Carrie, but that was like five or six years later when I encountered Carrie and um, his programs to help authors learn how to create the book uh, and also market a book. By that point, I knew I really needed some help, and um, Carrie's Carrie's work was super helpful in that respect. Well, I can tell by going to your website, your book trailer is amazing. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Now, you had mentioned you had this other book. You had an earlier book, and it was a best-selling number one on Amazon. Like, it was under another name. So you mentioned a little bit ago that it's farewell to an industry, so... Yes, oh, just, yes. Just a little bit about that before we get into the new stuff. Yeah, um, I it, it was in the financial services industry and um, it ranked, I think, number one on Kindle for a while. You know how they come up and fall back mm-hmm. down and number four in the overall store. And it was it was a, I, I was just kind of downloading everything I knew 
as I knew I was leaving a certain industry and I was leaving because of illness, which mm. we will talk about later. And I didn't know what I was going to do. And that kind of sets up the next question nicely because um, <laughs> all the writing and a lot of the stuff that we're talking about now um, either surfaced for the first time or resurfaced after decades of slumber Wow! At, at, after that point. Yeah. Your new book deals with childhood developmental trauma. You were born with some rare disease or something and then then. But you also have adulthood trauma with something called a trauma bond or something. Can you tell the audience what a trauma bond is? Sure, sure. Uh, well, to break it down, when I was born, I was actually born healthy. Um, but yeah. I went into a nursery that had an uh, an outbreak of staph infection. Ooh. Yes. And it hadn't yet been discovered or addressed. Or, of course, I never would have gone in there. Um, I was baby number 20. 19 or 20 uh, out of 21. And mm. there were 21 deaths okay. and uh, 19 of them were infants and two of them were nursing mothers. Um, so the early life trauma was immediately after birth and lasted for at least two or three months. It's not exactly clear how long that went. Um, you don't remember but, those days in, as an infant when you were like days old? I mean, I have such clear recollection, not at all. I know. What's wrong with me? Yeah. It all, all, and the reason my data is fuzzy is because uh, it's from my mom and my older brother who do have different memories of it. My sister's younger than my older brother, so hers is far more vague. Mm. Um, and then my dad was a little, my dad has passed on, so... I had to piece it together from their recollection. And then I did have a very profound prayer session mm. where I remembered a lot of it. And I know it was accurate because I told my mom afterwards and described the little uh, isolate thing that I was in. And oh, wow. she really, she, she started sobbing. She's like, that's it. That's it. That's it. Wow. So it was a very, very cool uh, time in my life. And wow. it was healing for her too. Oh, yeah. 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 So I feel like I might have gotten a little off track. You asked me about the early. Oh, the trauma bond. Yeah, because so, you have the childhood and then you have how it affected you later. You got sick later, but then you have this trauma bond thing happened in marriage right. or something. And you were telling me how that's not so uncommon for someone who has trauma in another area. Exactly. So that uh, one of the working definitions of trauma bonding is where two people who both have a history of unhealed trauma mm. are together, but the bond that is bringing them together or keeping their relationship in play is the way they're acting out their trauma upon each other. Mm. In other words, if you have something unhealed and there's an imprint, you know how the brain learns for better or for worse, the brain learns. And so whatever that imprint is, even if it's terribly negative, until trauma is healed, people tend to just just loop yeah. in the imprint. And so a trauma bond is two people together who are looping and using each other to live out their loop. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's, it's not that sounds horribly painful. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, you know, I mean, I'm, I can't say and I thank God I don't want to say that it was all bad, but no, it's a, it's a it's not a good situation at all, obviously. Wow. Yeah. So tell us more about your growing up. And you said then 
you came out of that and you were fine, but then you had trouble as a child and they misdiagnosed you. And between that and growing up into, you know, where you're at now. Yes, yes. So I obviously they they were heroic about my care in terms of the staph infection. Um, every and notice there's no villains in this story. You know, yeah. everyone was trying to help me and save my life. Um, however, um, the part of the treatment for staph infection is that apparently you form boils all over your body, large boils. Oh. They have to be lanced regularly and drained. I don't know if that's the treatment now. But in the late 1950s, that's the treatment. And so my early experiences were these, the only human touch was to be picked up, unswaddled, or I don't know if we were swaddled or not, to be honest. I feel like we were, but it was painful. Um, so the staph infection presented itself on your skin. I always thought yeah. of staph, like when people will have something that's respiratory or something where you can't see it with your eyes. Like it's internal, but you hit it on external part of your body as well. Yes, yes. I don't know if that other thing is true or not. I just know that uh, apparently all of us, my mom described being there with my father, um, looking through the nursery windows and the nurses are taking baby after baby and just lancing their, their oh, wounds and just pushing slice on, them open, oh. pushing on them <clears throat> and draining them and, you know, keeping it sanitary. And of course, it's all good care, right? Um, but the my memory um, that I had in prayer of that experience was lots of rage and screaming and crying and infants in total terror and rage just kind of undulating, you know. And I can only imagine as a little baby, you are helpless. You can't defend yourself. And here comes this person. They're poking holes in you and bringing pain. I can only imagine. But like you said, it was heroic. And there was, you know, they were trying. It's like the Lord showed me in my healing thing. It gave me a math equation of no malice does not equal no harm. I mean, they had no malicious intent for you. They had healing intent, heroic intent. They were trying to help you, but that harmed you a whole lot. Yeah, yeah. Well, yes. And of course, this in the late 1950s, no one is trauma informed, or at least I shouldn't say no one, but you know, you could probably count on one next to no one at all. Yeah. So, so then I got discharged. Um, My parents signed a release. Mm-hmm. to give me experimental antibiotics. I got discharged, but I still had uh, uh, boils that needed lancing. And so my mom was trained to do the lancing. So mm-hmm. even at home, you know, days and weeks later, um, what my brother recalls is the dining room table became the lancing station. So eventually, though, I know it's awful. I, and I'm sorry to go through this really rapidly. But eventually, of course, the skin healed. And everybody, I'm sure, just wanted to get back to normal. But I was the kind of baby that if mom picked me up, I would arch my back and scream. And of course, we all understand why I'm reacting that way. Oh, yeah. You're afraid you're going to get holes poked in you. Exactly. And so later on, I was pretty difficult when I was in trouble. If if and this is a fairly authoritarian era, if somebody got on my face or took me by the shoulders, I'm terrified. I'm just instantly activated. I'm I'm in my trauma. So mm-hmm. I kicked and I bit and I, I twisted out if I could, but I fought for my life. Yeah. So I was a very defiant, uh, I was labeled as very defiant. 
I don't mm-hmm. remember feeling defiance. I remember having very little respect for the the big ones is what I call them. Oh, yeah. As I have childhood memories, the big ones, because they um, they were just in my, in my perception, they were just um, always unwelcome. Just yeah, they were because I like, can imagine in your perception, because of what you'd been through, mm-hmm. the big ones are the ones who were there to hurt you. That yeah. was their whole their whole presence there was to hurt you. So whenever they would respond or react or behave in any way that even slightly validated that, <laughs> you would get defensive, I'm sure, like to protect yourself. That's the oh, trauma yeah. response is to protect yourself. Exactly. Yeah. So that whole fight or flight mechanism yeah. is activated. If they're not touching me and if they're not coming too close, I I was I was big on flight. But if they are touching me and they are too close, I was fighting for my life. So wow. that finally subsided. I don't know. It really, I don't know. It, at least before I was eight or nine or so, but I was already labeled. I was the bad child. Mm. Right. So um, then what, what Bissell Vanderkolk says in his book about um, tra- actually, I, you know what? I sh- I'm not, I'm not thinking of Bissell, Bissell Vanderkolk's book. I'm thinking of Patrick Carnes. He wrote mm. the book on trauma bonding. Mm. And and what he says is to if if there's any hope at all of unwinding a trauma bonded relationship, like my marriage was 24 years. I desperately wanted to save my marriage. Mm. I I absolutely wanted to save my marriage. But what he wrote is that there's only three approaches. One is set some boundaries and see if the person who's abusive will, will honor them. If Mm -hmm. failing that, then it was like, well, move out for a while, get out from the same roof and set some boundaries and see if they will honor that. And failing that he recommends no contact. Mm -hmm. And so ultimately I'm kind of giving away a little bit of what happened in the book, but ultimately I had to do no contact. Mm-hmm. And um, the, his recommendation, once you figure out what you're doing with that bonded relationship, the trauma bond, is the only remedy is go back and and resolve the original trauma. Yeah. Right. And so that's the only reason I have talked to people, have any idea of what happened about my childhood and all that stuff, because before the, before my life kind of blew up. Um, I was just cranking, cranking away, doing the best I could, thinking that I was with a jerk. That was my idea. I'm with a jerk. Mm. And what do I want to do about it? Because I really don't want this wasn't my first marriage. I do not want another divorce. Mm. And so that's when I tried Codependence Anonymous. That was awesome. But it was always just not quite on the mark. And mm-hmm. so finally, someone with 30 years in the CODA organization, God bless her, said, you know, check out this book by Patrick Carnes on trauma bonding. Mm. And as soon as I started reading those pages, I was like, here we go. Mm. So it was, was it through reading that book and going through the other things, trying to save your marriage that helped you resolve the trauma in and of your own self, not just the trauma bonding, but is that what helped the you heal or was there more, more to it than that? Yeah, I I like to say now, looking back, I have three primary tools that I used um, in terms of resolving my trauma origin. Mm-hmm. And the the first one, and this is really misunderstood, so I'm going to explain it a little bit, 
I call it the Christian imagination, but I'm not alone. I'm in great company. So does C.S. Lewis and Tolkien. And if you're familiar with G.K. Chesterton or Samuel Taylor Coleridge, all that we have a, a rich line of all these writings on the imagination as seen as a Christian. And the and that is where it's different from anybody else's understanding is we're all taught that imagination is just our ability to make stuff up and think without boundaries and, you know, create. Mm-hmm. And that's not wrong. Um, but the added dimension that was a huge feature in C.S. Lewis's life and in Tolkien's life, and that's why we have their great literature, mm-hmm. right, <laughs> is this idea that the imagination is a God-given capacity for two-way input. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, for two-way dialogue. In mm-hmm. other words, I experience God. I hear God in in my inner thinking. Mm-hmm. I see visions whenever I see visions in my mind's eye. That mm-hmm. is an act of imagination, but it's not stuff I'm sourcing. It's yeah. stuff I'm receiving from beyond. Ah. So there's the two-way aspect. And so one of the most profound healing tools, and I hate to re- call it a tool because it feels a little reductionistic, mm-hmm. but one of the hugest tools was my ability to receive from God beyond. Yeah. So the imagination is number one, or my relationship with God is number one, but how Mm -hmm. I access God is through the imagination, the Christian Mm -hmm. understanding. Mm -hmm. Um, Then I did a lot of parts work and the Bible says, you know, God desires truth in our innermost being, or Mm -hmm. a lot of translations say in our innermost parts. Mm -hmm. Um, And a good way to understand parts is how you and I might talk to each other. And if you ask me, hey, let's get lunch after, after we do this. I'd say, you know, I really, really, I'd love to get lunch, but part of me just really, well, let's make it dinner instead. Part of me just really wants to be in my pajamas on the sofa tonight because I've had, you know, 15 nights out of the house and I need a night alone, you know, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. those two parts are in conflict. They Mm -hmm. each have something they would like to do. Um, And so parts work identifies parts that are in within one person Mm -hmm. that are in conflict. And then just like the Bible concept of taking every thought captive, it there, there may be truth in one part and false falsity in the other, Mm -hmm. or in my experience, there's a lot of truth in one or a lot of truth. It's not so black and white unless I'm, (laughs) unless we're talking about what the Bible calls the true self Mm -hmm. and the true self is the, Christ in union self. It's the self that Christ abides in. Mm -hmm. That one is um, the one you can totally trust. (laughs) (laughs) So, so parts work deals with bringing these, these different parts into peaceful integration. And that's Mm -hmm. a very, that is a deep healing that brings truth into your inner man, right? And then the other one is sonic immersions. It's something, it's a tool I created because I heard somebody else um, with kind of like a, um, a prayer, but it was, it was secular and I wished it had more Bible. And Mm -hmm. so I made my own that, that Mm -hmm. still rely on the neuroscience of it is you have to be in a deeply relaxed state Mm -hmm. to rewrite your core thinking. Yeah. And it and it can be revised. It really can, but you oh, yeah. must be in a relaxed state. 
and then get this input. And so I made sonic immersions for myself um, to rewrite my own inner thinking. Are, are they like affirmations? Are they music? Are they both? Are... Well, I'm a composer, so it's hard to call it music. I mean, it's incredibly repetitive. It's just a bed of music that is there to help a person relax. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, there's, there's not, I wouldn't say, hey, here's my new CD, because <laughs> that's not <laughs> what it's like. <laughs> no, because um, it sounds like it was deeply personal to you. It seems to me that Sonic Immersion, how you're explaining it, would be uh, created individually for each person. Well, you know, I made them very generic because I was in a hurry and I just wanted to start using them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are, but, but they are generic and universal and personal all at the same time because mm-hmm. it deals with who I am in God, um, whether I'm loved and wanted or mm-hmm. not how to remain perseverant uh, or resilient and how to persevere even though you're not getting the results you wanted last mm. month or last year. <laughs> so, you know, they're really, um, they're universal themes. Okay. And then the scripture verses are, it, it's the kind of the same way. I mean, I believe me, I'm not putting myself on the level of scripture, but it's, it's, it, it does contain some scripture. Mm-hmm. It works the same way the, the word of God works. It, 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 it's truth going out. And it, when the brain is in a very relaxed state, it, it, it writes on the brain like a hard drive. Yeah. Cause our brain is a supercomputer and our mind is the thing that operates it. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> so we have to get in there and revise the code. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. So definitely. those are the, the that's how I healed. I healed by relying on God and then I ended up having some tools that were obvious winners. I tried a lot of things, but mm. those were the winners. Awesome. Yeah, everyone needs different tools because we're all different. So it's great to hear about the whole variety of them. Because healing yeah. is, you know, trauma is personal, but so is healing. Healing mm-hmm. is very personal because mm-hmm. you know, only you lived your experience, you know. I didn't yes. like that. I mean, so it's very personal. Yeah. Yeah, it is. So since all this healing, you are doing like all these things. I, talk, I called it your pedigree. I mean, you are a, <laughs> a musician and a composer and a singer and all the things. And what do you play? You're a musician. What instrument do you play? Yeah, I play some keys, but I've, I've been a serious guitarist since mm. since I was, I don't know, about well, I don't know if I was serious at 15. I started guitar at 11. I was playing violin at six or seven. I was raised by two musicians. So the fun part about me post-recovery mm-hmm. is that I'm finally doing work that I'm really aligned with in my soul and yeah. in in my calling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're a singer-songwriter, too. You yeah. write music for yourself or for other people or... Both? Yeah, or... well, both, uh, both. Um, I do write some songs that are for pitching to other artists. I write to briefs. I have a um, project right now where there's an author. I'm doing an entire underscore for, uh, she, she's not just an author. She's like in 48 languages and she has prose and, and poems. And so wow. the first step was that she asked me to write music, turn her poems into songs. And they really weren't song structure. And the trick was, she's, and don't change any of the structure. So that was a fun task. 
Um, but it got me back in the studio and uh, working with an orchestra. And by that, I I just mean a, a digital one. But it got me back in the studio. And then um, she she really wanted, she, uh, she has a cinema background. And uh, she said, I really want something cinematic. I'm like, great. I love writing music for picture. So I'm doing the whole underscore for her. And um, that's really my first credit as a as a composer. But singing and songwriting, I've, I've had awards back to when I was in my teens and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And then it all fell away because, frankly, my marriages and my life were just chaotic. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even know how to pursue. I knew what I wanted. I really did. I, I knew what I wanted. But I did not know how to pursue it. I was too fractured. Yeah. So I'm going to pause here for our listeners. If you're trying to do something and you keep like tripping up and you're like, oh, I'm fine. I've got no trauma. I dealt with everything, blah, blah, blah. Well, maybe pause and revisit because maybe there is some unresolved trauma that's getting in your way. And then you can get into a whole new life going forward. Amen to that. <laughs> you have a new book. Tell us about this new book. Is yeah. it out yet or is it yeah. not out yet? It is out. It's just, it just came out a couple of weeks ago. It's called Resurrected Roadkill. And um, I I like the title a lot because some people had a bad reaction to it, but mostly the reaction was good. But I really liked it and wanted to keep it because um, I felt like roadkill when I was doing my research and reading all these people on trauma bonds and how, uh, you know, uh, early life trauma affects the adult life across the lifespan and chronic illness and chronic difficulty in relationships. And I just felt like roadkill. It was a conversation with a counselor where she was telling me, secular counselor, where she was saying, you, uh, no one can rewrite their inner, their inner thinking. We just learn to manage it. And I, I just felt devastated. I thought, well, thank God. I thought that is Christless. So watch out for that. Yeah, that's so hopeless. That that's like no, no. Thank you. Thank you. I would you. I desire more than that. I'm gonna go get a second opinion. <laughs> yeah. And I It's like you I go to a doctor from. and they say, This is terminal. I want a second opinion. I'm getting another opinion. Exactly. And and I felt that's exactly how I felt. I felt hopeless. And and I said to her, I said, You're telling me I'm a splat on the street that happened, you know, sixty years ago and I just now find an out. That's how you get roadkill. And then the resurrected part is the verse in Romans eight twelve that says, if, if the spirit of God that raised Christ from the dead is living in you, then that power is in you. Amen. Right. And I thought, okay, there we go. That is what I'm hanging my life on. Hope. <laughs> yeah. Hope. Absolutely. But also that means there is a resident power that yeah. I can tap into. And that resident power is unstoppable. Yeah. Oh, I just got like an imagination vision of that from you saying that of like, you know, just this gush of water and you on this little raft and you just being launched out into something new. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah. So that's you asked earlier about the coaching and uh, all all those uh, certifications. Uh, I, I did all of that post or during recovery and post recovery, the way I would define myself is recovered and recovering um, because I did have 11 medical diagnoses. Now I'm down to, I think three. Um, So, you know, I have a ways to go. um, Were they all 11 of them accurate or were they misdiagnoses? 
some uh, of them. No, they were all accurate. Um, they were all accurate. There's a, there's, I mean, we could have a completely different episode on mm-hmm. um, medical I mean, trauma. I, a med- well, yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Internal medicine and it's, effect, I mean, the effect of trauma on the body, which oh, is yeah. where, yeah, right. That's Bessel so, van der Kolk's book, The Body Keeps the Score. Yes. It's go. like trauma affects the whole person. It's not just one aspect. So I was right. just curious because sometimes with people, they get, you know, diagnosis after diagnosis after diagnosis because they're not really finding the thing. They're just slapping a name on it. But that wasn't the case. With uh, you. Yes. The case yeah. with you is that you actually had all those. Oh, my goodness. I'm so yes. glad you're so much better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Oh, so now you, you are you're cultivating an artist collective. What's that about? Yeah, well, uh, basically, I just want to say that is that has been on my heart for years. It is the least formed. It's kind of really somewhat future. There, uh, there are some people who ask me to just actively look for artists uh, with the goal of creating an, an affiliation of people who are. Um, wanting to bring glory to God, it may be in an in an overt way, um, or just wanting to bring forth works of art that are uh, truth oriented, inspirational, really call the the true self up and mm-hmm. further into God, um, that kind of thing. And it's it's the the way the arc of my book. It sounds like I'm going back for a minute, but I'm really no. That's not. fine because we I. We kind of got off of the book and we're just going all over the place, which is fine. Yes, we are. We're having a conversation. These are about having conversations, not about following a path. (laughs) I mean, when we, when we go out to lunch with a friend, we don't go, okay, we're going to talk about A, B, C, D, E. Don't go off the D because we have to talk. No, (laughs) we're just having a conversation. Cool. Um, So the way my book is structured is the the first part is a lot. It's kind of thriller-esque because it's a lot about how I'm dealing with a very volatile situation at home. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of uh, part one, it, that's when, you know, me, the protagonist is, is on the road and the future is completely unknown, except that I did know that I needed to deal with my trauma origin Mm. because that's what all the literature said you got to do. Right. So (laughs) I did know that. So in the process of doing that, the part two and part three, and it's really, it originally was a screenplay um, because I studied screenwriting. So it was, so act two and act three are um, retooling for life. That's where you get the coaching certificates and taking writing more seriously. I was so sick and it was a too long, lung issues um, that I thought singing was over forever. And so I retooled to become a writer Mm -hmm. and I thought that was my future. I mean, solely, I thought that's where I would be. Um, And then what happened was I noticed that this, this, I'm going to say it's the true self, but as I got more and more whole, more and more integrated and all these fractured parts starting coming together into one whole person Mm -hmm. i realized that my number one love aside from the lord of course is music Mm -hmm. and it always has been and it's what i'm made for and so um then it's there's recovery as an artist so there's Mm -hmm. recovery as a human soul and then there's recovery as an artist Mm -hmm. who has been in the ditch off track and lost 
So the way the book ends is as a call to artists to come into their own. And that's, that's where the collective uh, it with people with a similar vision and similar goals um, so, so far, the working title or group name is um, Solo Dei Gloria, which is to God, be, to God alone be the glory, you know, taken from Johann Bach. That's how he signed every manuscript. Yeah. Um, but it's all kinds of works of art and just artists that know that we, we are the people that help bring meaning to life. We're mm-hmm. not bringing information. We're bringing transformation. Yeah. And Artists who are clear on that need to step up because right now a lot of the arts are full of people with a very different agenda from Mm. that of the kingdom. Mm. And so that's the collective. Oh, that sounds awesome. You've worked with Carrie and you've used the T word transformation and Mm. something he said is what empowered me to stop being nervous about anything, holding back and imposter syndrome and all that stuff. And he said, if you fail to market your message, you are stealing transformation from people, Mm. which that fits with your artist collective. They have transformation to offer. And if they don't bring it to the world, they're stealing that from the world. We we are called to bring that transformation. Right. Right. And, and as you know, I'm sure any artist who attempts to bring forth their life's work, it, the first thing they're going to smack into is themselves. And so, yeah, I, I, we do the work of healing the soul mm-hmm. and then we get to play. Yeah. <laughs> right. Cause, cause then we're unstoppable and that's yeah. the whole, that's the whole process. That's the whole plan. Yeah. And we still have to deal with our humanity in there. Like the, oh, the sure. war of art, by um, Stephen Pressfield, we run into that resistance. That, that's, yes. that's why the treadmill turns into a clothing <laughs> hanger. <laughs> because it's yes. there. It, it's not, I just want to just pause there for a minute because we go through the healing and we can understand that, you know, we're going to bring this transformation. We're empowered, but it isn't cake after that. We're still humans. Yeah, it, absolutely. And res, and resistance is real. And unlike I love Stephen Pressfield, um, I refer to him a lot in Resurrected Roadkill, um, love Stephen Pressfield and his work. I would just call I would I would just call resistance the enemy mm-hmm. because and one thing that Pressfield says, uh, says just to add is wherever you find the most resistance, there's a very good chance that is your North Star. Yeah. Like what is resisted the most is where you're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, yeah, we still have to know how to overcome resistance because that's not going to stop. Yeah. But I, I can tell you sincerely that I, my shift in the end, and it's not one of the earlier healings. They were different and they're all chronicled in the book, but my shift in the end was as long as I draw breath, I will be unstoppable. Amen. Amen. I like that. I I <laughs> want to do that too. <laughs> yeah, right. Absolutely. Oh, so is there anything that you want to make sure our listeners know before we tie this up with a bow and tell them how to connect with you and all that? Well, just that um, there are a lot of messages of hopelessness and um, to 
equip yourselves with a shield that just lets that makes that stuff bounce away from you because there's every reason to have hope. There's all kinds of good, effective trauma recovery tools. Mm -hmm. And, um, and obviously (laughs) God can, can overcome anything. There is Mm -hmm. no trauma that is too big. There is no tragedy that is too tragic. Right. So that's, that's the number one thing. And then I'd like to say, and it's important to our own happiness in life to know that we're bringing forth our life's work. Yeah. Bring forth your life's work. Don't let your life, your song go unsung. That's in your, your book trailer, right? Don't let your song go unsung. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> so how can people connect with you or be a part of this artist thing or get your books or, you know, follow you on social media? How can people connect with you? Yeah, to be honest, I am currently banned on Facebook. So my social media, and Why? Uh, they never would say, honestly, I have never had an explanation, but it's been three years and multiple attempts and I've even made new accounts and they, those went down inside of 48 hours. So I may never be back on Facebook and to anybody that has followed me already at Melanie Goodwin Studios on Facebook, I'm sorry, I'm not there. I just can't get to it. Um, <laughs> so that's what I can't do. Um, in terms of, uh, following, there's a, there's a link on the website, melaniegoodwinstudios.com, uh, where they can get on my mailing list. I'm not super regular about that, to be really honest. Um, but, uh, if they want to, um, write to me, I'm, I'm going to give you an email address. And if they just say, I want to bring forth my life's work, I'll give them a free gift. I'll send them a sonic immersion for perseverance if they would like that um send it to info at melaniegoodwinstudios.com and i'll send you a free sonic immersion wonderful well thank you for being with me today melanie this was (laughs) just a pleasure it's so inspiring and to help people to bring forth their story and how much we can overcome how yes. much we can overcome. I mean, 11 different diagnoses. And then in the, wow, so many things. You have become a victorious soul. <laughs> well, I'm not for young. Sure. <laughs> oh, we never arrive at perfection. This, this is not, victorious is different than perfect. <laughs> oh boy, you've got that right. <laughs> I call you a victorious soul. And thank you for thank being you so with much. us today. Thanks so much. It's been a pleasure. And thank you, my listeners. Thank you for being with us today. And until next time, mwah, remember, I love you. Thank you so much for listening to the Victorious Souls Podcast. You matter and you are loved. We'd love to connect with you further. So please visit us at daniellebernock.com and grab a copy of Danielle's free audiobook. And remember, only you can change your life. No one can do it for you. <laughs>